Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? So I am still pissed off. It has been a, a week later and ESPN has refused, absolutely refused to fix this egregious error that they made in putting us number 11 in their power rankings. ESPN is already starting the bullshit manipulation of these rankings to make sure that Cincinnati is on the outside looking in after we beat Indiana, after we smack down Notre Dame. It is absolutely appalling. But that doesn't stop it from being a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. Football season is, oh, you can smell it. You go outside, well, in New York today, it was 66 degrees. It was beautiful. Fall, fall weather. You get a little fire smell in the air. Looking forward to it. It came out fired up, Hummer. I love to hear it. Love to see it. And uh, we are also joined by a friend of the podcast, a frequent guest this summer. And Joe, we we truly appreciate your 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 uh, presence on the podcast here over the last several weeks. We are joined by the councilman himself. Joe Barnett is back on the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Welcome, sir. It's a great day to be a Bearcat fan. Yes, As it is. It really is, you know, and if we get into a couple housekeeping items here before we get really into things, how about we uh, we we give some shout outs here to two Olympic champions. That's right. Gold medalists. Jordan Thompson and the women's volleyball team won the first gold medal in volleyball history, women's volleyball history for the country. An amazing accomplishment. And she was certainly especially prior to the ankle injury, Jordan Thompson was one of the stars of the team. So congratulations to Jordan on her gold medal for America and the women's volleyball team there. We, it was a hell of a time watching them. And then we also have Vanessa. Ooh, how do we say her last name? Who's got it? Giles. Giles. Is it just Giles? Am I overthinking this? I thought I heard like a French pr- pronunciation of this. And I'm, I'm I so mean, do we really that. trust the French? Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll say it the American way. Vanessa Giles, congratulations on bringing a gold medal home to Canada. That was an incredibly intense penalty shootout between Sweden and Canada. Uh, Vanessa actually did see her penalty kick go skying over the, over the uh, goalpost. Nonetheless, they somehow pulled it out. That was a, uh, a heck of a ride. Did you guys get to watch the Olympics at all? Either those sports or any others? I did. And um, I'm first off going to hijack and hijack something you said, you know, bringing home the gold for USA. No, she brought that gold home for the University of Cincinnati. <laughs> Good correction. Hell yeah. That an is our gold. <laughs> an important correction. A very important correction. Um, no, but I would be curious, you know, like what what is kind of your the, your favorite event of the Summer Olympics? Is there something you really get into, Joe? That you might people uh, might not, not not expect. Are you a fan of like synchronized swimming, the uh, rhythmic dancing? What's your what's your jazz in the Summer Olympics? Oh, speed walking for sure. I mean, just <laughs> an absolutely taxing event on the human body. Congratulations <laughs> to the uh, medalist and speed walking this fine year. All right, so I think it's not really that funny of a story, but yes, I am watching the speed walking competition and. It's like getting to the end, but you still know you have like maybe 15 minutes in it or so to go. And I couldn't turn it off. I was so upset with myself because I just had to leave and I ended up late for my meeting because I watched the end of the speed walking competition. 
And I just kept thinking to myself, like, that person is walking faster than what I could probably run. <laughs> Without <laughs> well, a doubt. I don't know the official measurements on like how many miles per hour they're walking, but I have recently tried to get into like intense, fast paced walking through the neighborhood type, you know, exercise, you know, four or five miles, nothing crazy. And when I'm going, let's say 3.7, 3.8 miles an hour for an extended, you know, four mile stretch, that's pain. Your shins are aching. They're burning. Your calves are, are sore and you're, and you're sweating profusely when you return to the house. I can't believe what these people are doing in the speed walking events. That's a good call. Absolutely. Just amazing television is what that is. Well, speaking of amazing television, I did want to ask both of you about the Let It Fly series that the University of Cincinnati is producing for their football team. They've dropped two episodes. Episode one was more or less just kind of an introduction introduction to the team. Um, I would say the climax of that episode was Squat Fest. Uh, Brady Collins, the strength coach, was clearly the star of the show in that episode. And then episode two focused on date night for Des Ritter and wife or partner. Don't know if they're officially married, married, but uh, had a babysitter and were able to leave the house for the first time in a while. What are your reactions? If you've watched the show Hummer and Joe, uh, what are your reactions to this series that Cincinnati's putting out so far? I think that they're doing a really good job so far. I know that, they started this idea a little late to get a lot of off-season kind of character interest type stuff, kind of like you see on Hard Knocks, because I think that's the baseline for them. But I think they're doing a good job highlighting Ritter and uh, having the interviews with Coach Fick and tying everything together. I know that part of it's recruiting piece, recruiting material, and then the other half's like fan interest. So they're kind of trying to do two things at once with it. But I think they're doing a good job. I was glad the second episode was longer. And I'm looking forward to this Thursday's, which should have a lot of footage from Camp Higher Ground because they started practice out there Friday morning. That's what I thought. Um, that's what I thought is lacking so far is my desperation and thirst for more football being featured in the episodes. But you just provide excellent clarification that they did get a late enough start on this where off-season football and workouts couldn't be a major piece. Um, Camp Higher Ground is going to be a perfect opportunity for them to get amazing footage and put out some um, hard knocks-esque type content for us. I, I thought you made a good point there. Watching the first two episodes, it's amazing recruiting material like that's what the whole thing seems to be and i don't i don't blame them for using it like this at all in fact it's it's shrewd it's smart it's savvy it's the way that the music they're using the vibe they're putting out the information they're putting out there about the equipment and kind of the camaraderie and the the leadership that you get from your coaches i think all of it speaks to hey if you're a recruit who's looking to be different and and kind of forge your way in the college ranks at a program that's building something special this is the place for you and uh it's been i love it i mean it's just more great it's great bear cat bear cat content to consume more good for us and uh looking forward to the camp higher ground episodes that's for sure so i haven't seen the whole thing i also but i've, I've seen the intro to it you know like the first like three minutes <laughs> sounds um, like a, that sounds like someone who's completely lying by the way there, nobody like the 
it's like a high schooler who said, nah, yeah, I watched that that homework, Mrs. You know, no, I, literally, I just while you, while you guys were talking, I was watching the first three minutes. Um, <laughs> that is not a joke. That is not a lie. Uh, I haven't had a chance to really see it yet, but um, one thing that I just noticed right off the bat, though, is that it also seems to be more than just a recruiting tool. It's it's also part last year we said we were missing this. You know, where was our AD when it came time to make that playoff push? Where where was he out there in the media saying, hey, we're the best school. We need to be doing this. So we're starting to put that stuff stuff out now because at the end of the day, when it comes time in October, you know, the end of October, and starting to put those first rankings out there. Um, people are going to be Googling Cincinnati and they're going to need content to consume. And, you know, it just makes the numbers go up. You know, we already did ourselves a favor by having a, a really highly rated game against Georgia. So I don't think they're afraid to put us in a game like that. They know we can draw the ratings. Um, but something I noticed on the let it fly thing is, do you think they're not putting the players faces and the helmets on purpose on the trailer? They put the black visors up with the reflection. So there's no, uh, there's no face. This is a way of getting around name image likeness on billboards or something. I'm guessing they just wanted to wrap that trailer once for like the first time in 12 years. And then in like 2033, when we go to play army, they don't want Des Ritter's face on the side. Uh, Who's Des I like, Ritter? I was like, this would be a, that's a very clever way of getting away na- around the name image lightness. Like, Hey Des, that's not you, man. That's not you. <laughs> like NCAA 2015. Like, Oh no, no. Wide receiver 87. Isn't you? No. No, you guys just happen to be from the same city and state and have the same stats. It's weird, weird, weird coincidence. But then there would be those a couple players that would just be completely off, right? Like they would be the, the opposite race or different, you know, height, weight, whatever it would be. There would be some players who just completely were off the mark. Joe, you mentioned the length of that series, especially the first episode. I think it was what, 12 minutes ish. So I turn it on. I'm getting into the first episode. And at the end of them wrapping the trailer, which is the opening for that, that first episode, I looked down and I think it was at about 90 seconds. And I thought, wow, like they just burned through about over 10% of the time for this episode on wrapping the trailer. Like, what? let's get to it, move into it, people. So uh, that, that's the one thing I think that they can, hopefully we'll see more of is just more, in, more insight into the players themselves, the personalities on the team, more football. And all of that's going to be coming with Campire Ground. So not really a criticism, just something more so I'm looking forward to. Yeah, the uh, next four episodes are, are going to be pretty high on the football content. I think they'll probably get some of those good player type pieces that you see in Hard Knocks, where you get like that feisty uh, undrafted free agent that's like making a push. So I think you'll see some guys like Ryan Royer get screen time because he's just an absolute maniac of a man (laughs) and you know some of these freshmen that come in i know that uh coach fick has talked highly about a couple guys on some interviews i've heard on the radio and whatnot so uh i think you'll see some interviews with those kind of guys too and be like oh wow i can come to cincinnati and start as a freshman or get playing time as a freshman so i think uh i think they're on the right path but like I mentioned before, they got a really late start on this. That wasn't something that was planned all off season. So they just weren't prepared. Yeah. Isn't it largely being edited by Eichel Davis who just came aboard maybe four to six weeks ago? 
Yeah, Eichel Davis is one of the big, like, his specialty at TCU is making videos, like hype videos and things like that. He's more of a filmmaker type of guy, whereas Kelsey Sharkey does a lot of, like, the creative TikTok type stuff. So I think putting those two together is a great combination, but you're definitely seeing Eichel's influence compared to some of the stuff I've seen him do when he was at TCU. You got to love it. You love to see it, as they say. Um, now, speaking of higher ground, and you guys have mentioned it twice now, uh, are you guys familiar? Like, uh, this was like I knew, I've always heard we know we'd go to camp higher ground, you know, knew what it's all about, but I didn't realize that it was something like that's, it's that special to the University of Cincinnati that, like, there's a lot of programs that don't actually have a like camp higher ground, that like NFL teams don't have access to like a camp higher ground. They told Brian Kelly to go shove it uh, when he wanted to go get Notre Dame um, using camp higher ground after he left Cincinnati. I didn't know that. Brian Kelly tried to use higher ground for Notre Dame after leaving here. Yeah, he tried to gank it from us. And uh, the higher ground conference center said, uh-uh, buddy boy, you can take your bright red face all the way up to South Bend, Indiana and shove it in the lake. <laughs> No, it seems I don't know the full history. I think Justin Williams on the Athletic did a piece on it a couple of years ago that I haven't read. So uh, I'm going to not pretend that I'm an expert on it, but I do know that the vibe is outstanding. You know, just the idea that the whole team and program is picking up and moving to this remote location where, for however many weeks it is, it's it's nothing but football, and the team rallies around each other. And you know, if when you've got the right coach and leadership team in place, it's not really surprising that a team would come back season in season out with this incredible culture, this incredible camaraderie, like we saw last year in a year that should have been ravaged by uncertainty and, and unfair or, or burdensome sanctions, not even sanctions, but the uh, like what restrictions from COVID like that. That's the kind of thing that was sinking. Uh, I thought programs. you were talking about like playoff restrictions. You know, the, <laughs> they only let so many teams in from, from only so many conferences, but sorry. No, wrong, but you know, like they had to deal with they had to deal with a lot last season, and despite it all, like they were they managed to create a team that was just completely bought in, uh, and and rallied around each other and created one of the most special seasons in Bearcat football history. So, it it feels like Camp Higher Ground certainly plays a role in that process. Yeah, I was lucky enough to go to Camp Higher Ground as a guest of the Republic of Cincinnati in 2019. And it's a pretty cool spot. Um, it's very secluded. And I think that's a big part of the success of it is once you're out there, you're pretty much just locked into football for two and a half weeks. And, you know, they've got really good facilities. We basically have put old turf out there. They've got, I think, a football field and a half, kind of like we've got on campus here. And their dining hall is just absolutely fantastic. The food is grade A. These boys are eating good while they're out there. I mean, they apparently ate 1,200 meatballs on I Friday. Heard they ran out of meatballs. They had to add like – they had to like drop, drop some chicken, chicken tenders in. Yeah, the, the, so it's a good spot. Um, I think it helps keep focus, and I think that's a – big part of why we've been so successful under coach Fick is they can spend that time and really build their build a nice strong base without distractions 
And then once they get back on campus, you know, it's just building up off that. So it's a cool spot. Uh, if anyone ever gets the opportunity, I know um, they have a UCATS day out at Camp Higher Ground. If you're at a certain, um, I'm going to say prestige level. So dollar there are up. Uh, I'm not sure if it's dollar related, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> but uh, it's a cool spot. So if anyone ever gets the opportunity, if you're ever lucky enough to get asked to go out, I highly recommend it. I burned a vacation day and don't regret it. So sounds nice, Joe. Sounds really nice. Hope I get to experience it someday. Well, I mean, from every, what it looks like, you know, when you see the videos from our, our camp, if you would, and then you go to the, I was just scrolling through Twitter and I was looking at uh, another school that we sometimes get lumped into Boise state and their campus just is on campus. It's in the middle of their, their football stadium. It's something that's like, it's, it's so much mundane where, where this seems like it's like, all right, a little bit of that NFL experience. You're going somewhere different. You're going somewhere new. You're actually going to quote unquote training camp. Um, and so I think that they, they've looked at it too, as a recruiting, a recruiting tool as well because this is something that you're going to get access to um but yeah i can't wait to uh you know join that ucats one day be that be that prestige level of ucats uh that one v, million dollar donate donator baby vp hummer prestige VP. level vp I'll, I'll introduce myself as the vp of the slang and podcast network there you go there you go buddy well, specifically, hey, let's... specifically asked for that title too when we were like going through that making our LLC. I was like, no, I don't want to be president. I don't want to be CEO. No, I want to be vice president. <laughs> Something special about how that VP rings. Founded in 2007, Homage turns back the clock with shout outs to eclectic moments and personalities in sports, music, and popular culture from Barry Larkin. To Kenyon Martin, Homage tells the story of triumph, individualism, and hustle, preserving the old school and creating new legacies. Pay homage at www.homage.com. And right now, we have a new promo code for you. It's slangin 20 When you check out, you slangin 20 But before you check out, check out their new... Cincinnati Bengals collection. They have a new selection of awesome graphic hoodies, bright orange Cincinnati, nice backdrop of the city, a nice Cincinnati Bengals tiger. Love their sweatshirts. They're super soft. They're super comfortable. They also have some new Cincinnati Bearcats gear, retro Bearcats, paying homage to the championship teams. Look, grab yourself one of those championship shirts. Walk on down into Cincinnati. Find your, your least favorite friend who's probably a Xavier fan and say, hey, where's your championship shirt? Oh, that's right. You don't have one, but you can by shopping homage online at www.homage.com and in six stores across Ohio, including their over the Rhine Vine Street location right here in Cincinnati. Like I mentioned, Homage has created an exclusive offer to kick off the 2021 football campaign for Cincinnati slang and listeners all month of August, get 20 or 20% off your entire order by using the code slang 20 at checkout. Let's transition Beautiful. here, boys. Let's talk a little bit about realignment 
it's it's been a few weeks since all the bombshells dropped in terms of Texas and Oklahoma departing for the SEC. And then the rumors started swirling about the Pac-12 merging with the Big 12 or the Big 12 being absorbed by the AAC and Aresco and ESPN coordinating together to, uh, you know, dissolve the Big 12, essentially. Joe, we haven't talked to you about it at all. So I, I want to start with you. I, I, broadly speaking, like, where are we at with realignment? Where are you at with realignment? What are we looking at here? That was an absolute bombshell that they dropped. Uh, I never thought that you'd see Oklahoma and Texas with their enormous egos make a decision to go to the SEC and probably end up being middle of the pack teams for the rest of their football careers. I mean, this is almost suicide for them, in my opinion, but you I, love, I think it you love to see it. For Texas, it feels like suicide. Uh, I'm not so sure with Oklahoma. Like they, yeah. I feel like Oklahoma can and will continue to be a dominant force in college football despite being in the SEC. It's going to be more challenging. But it feels like with Texas, it's basically like, well, if we're going to be mediocre. Like, let's just go be mediocre and super rich in the SEC. You got to love it. And and it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people in the Big 12 who absolutely honey-dicked UC in 2016. I mean, <laughs> you hate to see it. You really do. And then now you, you get to hear... <laughs> You get to hear Baylor and Texas Tech and Kansas State cry and bawl their eyes out about how they can't believe Texas and Oklahoma would do this to them. They can shove it. So real quick tangent here. I, I had to Google the origin of Honey Dick and Urban Dictionary, thankfully, popped up pretty quickly here. Honey Dick to seduce a person and use them for your personal agenda coined in the movie, the interview quote, Dave, she honey dicked me. She used me to take out Kim Jong-un. Interesting. Very solid usage. Cause that's exactly what seemed to happen with the big 12 in Cincinnati. Yeah. That's a, that's a under the radar term that I like to use uh, pretty frequently. So <laughs> I'm glad that it fit. I'm glad now that we got a definition out there we can really spread those honey dick vibes out. And now everyone knows what the big 12 did to us in 2016. Take that bulls. So everything you said after that, after that term was a bit of a blur for me. So apologies if anything's redundant here, folks, uh, Joe really threw me through for a loop there. I think the big 12's reaction is just absolutely ridiculous, like utter and totally ridiculous. The fact that, you know, of course, like everybody has to come in and say, yes, we're resolute. This conference is is still P5 material and quite literally your own commissioner. Admitted that OU and Texas were up to, if not more than 50 percent of your league's value. That means the remaining schools in your conference are dog shit trash. Like, and you're, and you have this high and mighty, like, oh, we're going to do this. Like at this point, like just stop hiding it. Like, I don't know what you guys are, what are, and oh, no, now we're talking to the Pac-12. We're going to make a, a scheduling thing. Like, the Pac-12 doesn't give a fuck about you. Sorry, I'm getting a little, little feisty with the language here. The Pac-12 does not care about the big 12 and whether they survive. If anything, the Pac-12 is like, all right, which of these three bozos can join our com conference? 
you know, like it's all the, it's all this is going on. And like, I don't know how Pac-12, how Bob Bosley still has a, um, not Bosley, Bob, Bobsley, Bob Bowlesby, Bowlesby, Bigsby, yeah. Bigsby, Bowlesby, Bowlesby. <laughs> How the hell does he still have a job? Like, why are they letting him still lead this train wreck? Well, like, because if you fire, I mean, if they if you fire him, it's it's sinking quickly into the ocean, never to be seen again. Right? Like, it's already can, there. Of course, they, they don't know it though. It's there, but they don't know it. They've you know got to pull the trigger on something because ESPN is running the same play they ran against the Big East when they blew it up in 2011. The Big East was feeling pretty good about themselves. They're like, all right, yeah, we're we're pretty good. Let's go flirt around a little bit, try and get a little extra money. ESPN was like, hey, this is what we want to pay. And and then back then the Big East was like, I think we can go get a little more from NBC. And then ESPN just absolutely obliterated the conference. The mouse always wins, dude. Well, I think I think there's a conspiracy. I have a I have a good conspiracy theory forming on this one. That's not too conspiracy because we know what ESPN's end game here. It's world domination. Um, but by taking Texas and OU to the SEC, they basically have the ACC and they have the SEC basically locked up with television or television, right? Right. They also have the American Athletic Conference tied up with their with their rights. So if you bring the remaining Big Twelve teams over into the AAC. And you officially quote unquote make the AAC a new Power Five conference, and then you have UCLA, who ultimately ends up getting taken by the Big Ten, uh, the uh, the LA schools. The Pac-12 actually would probably cease to exist and get blown up as a conference, leaving the four major conferences being Big Ten, AAC, ACC, SEC, and the West just kind of gets left left out of it because their TV schedules suck anyway. Um, and so then that leaves ESPN with a perfect power play move to get pure, utter dominance is to just use that Disney money, use that the theme park ticket money, and just outbid every single person in the world for the Big Ten media rights, own all four of them, create the only NCAA tournament with the 64 teams that happen to belong in those four conferences. So there would be no outside you know, tournament. ESPN would own the rights to the whole thing. They would own the rights to the college playoff. They would own the whole entire uh, college football apparatus. And that is my like long con ESPN is, is definitely vying for a complete monopoly on college football. Which would be terrible news for college football itself financially, right? Like once somebody has, I mean, if this wild conspiracy is true, which <laughs> it's, it's hard to debate that ESPN is trying to conspiracy. It's a strategy. I would it's say a strategy. Like a strategy. Yeah, it's, a, it's not so much a conspiracy. It's a, it's a clear and, and distinct strategy to get and, and absorb as much power in the college football sphere as possible. But long-term that's going to be bad financially for college football. Once somebody has a monopoly on your product, naturally, isn't that going to potentially like drive values down and drive future contracts down couldn't that happen i wouldn't think it would because you're still going to get bidding every year for those contracts because of how lucrative they are so it's it's espn's gonna have to continuously pay more and more money to keep maintaining the rights to that it's just they have them locked up for a period of time right now a the american athletic conference is locked up for what 10 years so we're not coming up for negotiation for a while the acc is locked up to like 2035 i think is what theirs is no one's leaving the ACC. No one is going to do it. They have to. They have a right, a grant of rights until twenty thirty five. 
no one in their right mind is leaving that conference today. So I'm not a mastermind behind the business side of this whole thing, but wouldn't one think that if the ACC was able to add a couple of teams or schools, doesn't that serve them well? Because don't the rates get renegotiated at that point? And isn't their contract pretty obviously terrible at this point so that it would be to their advantage to find a way to add more teams to their conference, levy up so that you can get that renegotiation of terms? Is that I mean, something think, that's in play? I think that's the goal, but ultimately at the end of the day, ESPN is going to tell them what they're willing to pay for those schools. So it's it's a bad spot to be in in some ways, but a good spot in another because take Cincinnati, for example, the AAC contract is roughly $7 million per school. You have to think that UC, UCF, Houston, those three schools are probably pretty heavy. So we're probably getting drugged down by, you know, the ECUs and the temples in that TV deal. So there may be some incentive for like the ACC um, to make a move. I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories or thoughts that West Virginia may jump to the ACC just to basically blow the big 12 apart. (laughs) So that would be good for UC, I think, because then they're going to need another partner to come along with. So there's some possibility there. Um, That's my dream, by the way, my dream. I, I feel like the best outcome for me personally would be to find a way into the ACC I don't know what happened to that conference long-term. I know we've already heard whispers of Clemson and Florida state inquiring. With the I've SEC. already told you why they can't do it and why they won't do it. They're, of- they, they have grant of rights until 2035, which means no matter what ESPN pays them, that, that money goes to the ACC. Not so like they're basically giving all that, all that juice up as an exit fee. That's why right. Texas and OU aren't pushing all that hard against their against getting out of the conference before 2025 because they have to pay an absorbent amount of money and their tv rights and they won't that money will go to the conference not to them so they're willing that they're basically saying you have to have the conference explode implode and not no longer exist in order to not owe that money anymore gotcha but what so how does the how does the acc project then as a landing spot for cincinnati like if we're invited to the acc Fan Zach says that sounds fantastic for basketball. I'm I'm extremely excited. Um, we're getting to play, you know, Syracuse and Duke and North Carolina and Louisville and West Virginia and all of that sounds amazing. Football wise, for football too, and it's great opinion. for football too. Yeah, it seems like it's a, it would be a great opportunity on the football side of things as well. It's not it's certainly not to the level of the Big Ten or or the SEC, but it's certainly a jump up from what we're at right now in the the American Athletic. Is that conference viable though? Like, are we potentially jumping to another situation where that conference, or is what Hummer's saying make us feel secure at least for the next ten years? I think you're. I think you're. I think you're safe. But I think the other thing we're forgetting is during the last round of conference realignment, when you know we weren't getting honey dicked, we were just getting you know straight fucked in the asshole. Uh, it came down to Louisville and the University of Cincinnati going head to head in a voting matchup of who the ACC wanted to actually take. Like we were, you know, a one vote away from being the school and not in Louisville, not being in. I think if they look back on hindsight, they probably regret taking Louisville uh, because of all the, all the stuff that's gone down there and their, their lack of academic pedigree. Um, not trying to 
disparage anybody who went to the University of Louisville, but but fuck no, you. please please do, please do, <laughs> but fuck you. Um, you know, so that that is a reality that 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 did happen. Like we got to the point where we were already looked at for that conference. They had already turned down West Virginia. So I don't know what would have changed in that time. But the other thing too is if if you listen to the Delevatard podcast where they had John Skipper on and he's taught he, you know, former ESPN mastermind behind the Big East uh, destruction, he brings up a good point that whenever you bring on a new school into a conference, you're really looking for are you in that state? It's not necessarily the school itself. Like Rutgers is important to the Big Ten because they're in New Jersey. New Jersey is one of the most populated states in America. And all of a sudden, the Big Ten network is in that state and cable companies have to pay the Big Ten money just for just for being in that state. And so Ohio is a new state to the ACC. There is no ACC school located in the state of Ohio. It would be a new market. Ohio is the sixth largest, most populous state in the union. A school like UCF, who we hear their name thrown out a lot, there's already two Florida schools. Like, you're not going to go down there and add another Florida school to the ACC. It doesn't make sense from them from a monetary standpoint at that point because the ACC network's already there. You Louis or Clemson, it doesn't make sense for them to leave to the SEC because there's already a school in that state. Unless Florida they're just state. making, unless it's they're making all, the super conference the of thing. all super conferences. Unless there's but just a plan beyond. Then you want, the, then you the want normal... that. You want that revenue from an outside state. So like Kansas. You know, I think he made, I think John Skipper made an actually a decent argument that Kansas could be, even though they're horrendous at football, a good addition to the Big 12 or to the Big 10 because there's no school in Kansas. Well, here's here's the thing, Hummer. I heard John Skipper say that. I think he said ACC. I heard the interview. It it sounds great. It makes UC seem incredibly appealing because, frankly, only the Big 10 has has Ohio. He never mentions (laughs) us. And if this was true all along, and if it was the driving reason we would get absorbed by a bigger conference, why hasn't it happened yet? Why didn't it happen back with the, the first realignment? It, it didn't happen with the ACC. They went with Louisville. They went with a smaller market in Kentucky. I figure that doesn't make as much sense financially. So that can't be the only driving reason we would get absorbed. There has to be way more other factors in play here. And do either of you have insight into what those would be? So the, the biggest thing that was occurring in the last round of realignment was we were trying to keep the Big East together. So uh, our president Williams at the time was really pushing to keep the biggies together and then ESPN backdoored us and, you know, broke the conference apart. But I know at one point there was even discussions that the big 12 was going to take Louisville and Cincinnati together. And then basically John or president Williams, I think it was Greg Williams uh, decided to stick with the big East and then Louisville takes off West Virginia leaves. And it's just, Can I trade my diploma in. I want a different president's <laughs> name on it, <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, I think that's a factor. Um, I do think that while the, while the, uh, TV deals are still important, uh, streaming is now more important. So I think you see that we've done pretty well on ESPN plus, if you're not a subscriber, I highly recommend uh, jumping on there. The content's pretty good. Uh, UFC the athletic fights, department, lots of UFC cards. If you want, yeah, if you want content outside of the Bearcat football content, that's a that's a side perk. Side People perk. always ask, what's the best way to watch the UC basketball games? Uh, even if you're in market, look, get a VPN. I know this isn't the the legal terminology here, but uh, get a VPN. Getting a VPN is completely legal. 
no, streaming the games through it is technically not legal. Um, getting a VPN is. Getting your VPN, you can watch you can watch all the out of market stuff because it basically tricks the service into thinking that you're in another state. So you can literally set it up to be a New York data center, and you'll get access to all the New York, uh, New York data. Um, but honestly, it is the greatest way to watch. I think you get so many so many options for it. And it's five ninety nine a month. And that's if you're not getting the Disney Plus bundle, which this is not an ad for Disney Plus at all. Loki, phenomenal. Uh, going through all the all the Marvel all the Marvel series coming out, Mandalorian, all the Star Wars series. You can get the whole bundle, the whole damn thing. You can get Tulu and this you can is, get ESPN this Plus. Is shameless and sad. We're not even being paid for this. Stop. But do if you do it, there's there's a bunch of stuff out there on the internet that's talking about how that is a criteria that is being actually looked at as part of like the new Nelson's ratings, if you would, is streaming. And so that's something that is important. So if we're looking to up that profile, it's something that you got to do. Go out there and get yourself access to watch these games. And what my point is, it's not expensive. And you get a whole bunch of other content along with it too. So why not? Shed that Netflix subscription and get ESPN and Disney+. Plus. And the first two football games are going to be on ESPN Plus, Miami and Murray State. Um, Part of some conversations I was privy to last week, um, UC had two, the two highest rated ESPN Plus football games last season. So there's um, some pretty good movement in that area. So I highly recommend if you're on the fence, there will be those two games, hopefully not any more beyond that, because we'll probably be on ABC and ESPN one, because we're going to be in the top 10, no later than week one, in my opinion. And um, but even if they are a lot on of ESP- basketball, too, even if they are on ABC or any of those other like a Disney owned station, you can still watch it through the ESPN plus app. Which is uh, awesome. I, that's I don't think that's a hundred percent true. I, I, I think, maybe I do because I, I'm not. I think maybe you have I'm to, on market. I think you have to log in with like your cable subscriber, you and it makes those available. I guess I say, and I'm and I'm out of market, so I guess right, that's the other yeah. thing. That's yeah. <laughs> what, if what you're Hummer, like me, <laughs> what Hummer's revealing is that he has a login for someone else's ESPN, most likely, and he's and he's and he's watching it, but he's conflating it with ESPN Plus. It's not. The same. I have I have my own. I use Hulu TV. <laughs> Joe, you were so kind with that, you know, and saying, I, that's not 100% correct. That means it's just completely wrong. It wasn't correct at all. Well, you know, I, I could be speaking out of turn, but, uh, you know, I just don't want, I don't want. No, I, you're right. I guess my, you're a hundred percent correct. If you have, if you're paying for cable, you want to watch it. At least you still have the app that you can do it through on ESPN plus it's right there. You don't have to go searching for it. This makes it easy. Uh, and it's not CBS Sports. So which you can never find anywhere. anywhere. You had to call you had to call a bar and be like, hey, do you guys have this channel? You'd get set up, you'd have your order in, you'd have a couple beers in front of you. They're like, I don't know what channel that is. We don't have that. It's the worst. No. Absolute yeah. worst. ESPN plus all day over that crap. Joe, sure. you, you said you were part of some pri- you know, privy to some interesting conversations. Anything else that fans should keep in mind in terms of doing their part in in boosting Cincinnati's profile for realignment conversations. So if you are interested in season tickets, if you're in the area or if you can make a couple games, uh, we were talking before the podcast with Hummer, 
um, buy season tickets for football and basketball. Um, basketball tickets are going through the seat upgrade process now. So if you're interested in basketball, you should put down a $50 um, deposit and, and get your spot in line for basketball tickets. And then uh, football ticket sales are going pretty well. Um, there's a lot of sections that are starting to sell out. And if you're a young professional, that means you graduated in the last 10 years from the University of Cincinnati. Uh, there's some pretty good deals. Um, if you Google Cats Ticks Young Alumni Program, uh, you can get football tickets starting at $100, and you can get into the scholarship club for $500. That includes your UCATS donations. And it looks like basketball tickets start at $125 for a season. So uh, I'm sure there's a younger listener base to this. So do your part, pull the trigger on that. And then secondly, if you're not a UCATS member, um, I may have learned how we stack up to some of our peers in that department. And uh, we have some headway to make in terms of total UCATS members. So join UCATS. Uh, the minimum criteria is $50 a year. So you can give like $5 a month or you can give a one-time $50 donation, but you can get on the UCATS website and do that as well. Those would go a long way, especially with conference realignment heating up right now. Great insight, great tips. Any final thoughts on, on realignment in general and where we're heading with this whole thing? Any predictions? I, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare make a prediction at this point. I, I, think, I think UC is gonna find its way into the ACC because ESPN is going to do everything in its power to blow the Big 12 apart so they don't have to pay the rest of the Big 12 that exit money, get Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC quicker. I, I have no doubt that's their end game. So that's my I don't like it. That's I don't love face. it. But if, if we can find our way in the ACC via that, Tough if we find our game. way in the if we find our way in the ACC, I absolutely love it. I love everything <laughs> about it. I think conference realignment is would be the greatest thing that's happened since sliced bread. Uh, but if we don't get in it, it's absolute horseshit. It's completely manipulated by the man, and it needs to stop. <laughs> well said. Let's go ahead and transition here to our positional preview for the week, hitting the running backs. Joe, get us started. What should we know about the running back position this season for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team? Jerome Ford is good. That's all we need. Let's pack it up, boys. <laughs> oh, our work is done here. He is, he is something special. He seems like a different type of athlete from a speed standpoint, quickness, agility, and he showed it in the Georgia game. He's got SEC speed, elite athleticism. What else do we need to know about him? My one knock on him uh, last year was he put the ball on the turf a little too much. Uh, I don't think he actually lost a fumble, but he did fumble quite a few times. Uh, so he's going to need to work on that because especially in games like the Notre Dame game and in Indiana, UCF, we can't afford turnover. So he's got to hold on to the ball. I expect him to have an Isaiah Peed-like season. I bet he's going to rush for over 1,000 yards, probably double-digit touchdowns. Um, 
a lot of that hinges on the offensive line, but if he gets outside, I mean, if you're out running defenders from Georgia, you can outrun anyone in college football. Let's be honest. Correct. Exactly. That was, it was a stunning run to start the second half last year. The second half of the season for Jerome Ford, I think was like pretty telling. Cause like it's, it started slow, I think, you know, and then once he burst on the scene, like, wow, you know, this is what you kind of been waiting for when you hear the hype around a, you know, sounds terrible. Cause we're just, now we're, we're, slopping the knob of Alabama here, but you know, a top, a top rated recruit that was recruited by Alabama. When you come, when you, when you get a guy to translate that you expect big things from him. And this is the season. I think we're going to see big things from a guy who has big expectations, you know? So I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I wish there was a way we could incorporate. You got peed on, uh, in, into this, into this one, but I just don't like, I don't want to be like, you know, he's Ford tough. That this sounds awful. It's still tough. Uh, no, um, we're 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 not doing that one for sure. What do what I, do we, what is it? <laughs> I did think um like his stats. I'm looking at his stats from 2020. 73 attempts, 483 yards, eight touchdowns. And if anything, his lack of and that's a pretty productive season, by the way, for for a transfer who's backing up, who's not even the starting running back. But it is a testament to how good Dokes was at that position that he really did a good job keeping Ford off the field. Um, Dokes was kind of good at the things that you don't necessarily see on the stat sheet, right? Everybody raved about the pass protection, his receiving out of the backfield. How does how does Ford project in in those areas? Is he someone who can stack up when when up against a, a pass rush? Like, is he, can he hold his own in that regard, Joe? Do you have any insight there? I think in the second half of the season, he he improved a lot in that. I imagine at Alabama, that wasn't necessarily his forte because, you know, he had five 340-pound guys in front of him and a 290-pound defensive lineman crashing down on him. Uh, but when you look at uh, our conference uh, defenses, he, he was a lot better in pass protection. And I'm sure he's worked on that a lot in the off season, knowing that he's going to be the guy this season. So we've spent the majority of the past two seasons having a, a two deep at the running back position. That was quite solid, right? Two years ago, it was Turner with Dokes backing him up. And I think who else got major looks two years, two seasons ago. Anyone remembering off the top of our head? I'll the truck. McClellan. So you had the the truck and Dokes in 2019, and then uh, McClelland in 2018. McClelland and the truck worked together. That's right. In 2018, so, and McClelland tore his uh, ACL. Did I did I say Michael? Seasons. Did I say Michael Turner? Yeah, you did. I, I keep was just doing that. Let it go. Yeah, don't let it go. I keep. There's something about Michael Warren's body profile that causes me to mix him up with the name Michael Turner. And if you remember him, this is like a vintage Michael, the burner Turner, the burner Turner. Right. And there's something about the two that I keep conflating. And anyway, you got to correct me, correct me when I make a stupid mistake like that. Anyway, this season, the reason, the reason I uh, bring it up is what does the depth look like behind Ford? Because it's a position where given the type of beating you can take at this position, you've got guys diving at your knees constantly who is the primary backup heading into the season for Ford? So the most experienced guy with backup experience is Charles Chuck McClellan. Uh, he rushed for 485 yards and four touchdowns in 2018. Uh, the last two years, he's torn 
an, one ACL. So he's actually torn both of his ACLs the past two years. Um, but McClellan's more of a change of pace kind of back. So he's got good receiving skills. Uh, I don't have a lot of great tape on him, just like blasting up the middle. But from some of the stuff I've read on like the athletic and Bearcat journal, it looks like he's been pretty good in spring practice in the first couple of days at higher ground. And we've seen a bit of, and you know, I'm hoping that he can just stay on the field this season. That's a horrific luck the past couple of years, tearing your ACL and back-to-back seasons. Was that same leg or different legs? It was both knees. He's torn. Oh. I don't know in what order, but uh, yeah, he Absolutely. tore one pre 2019 season. And then he got in a couple games last year and tore his ACL this past year. So. Absolutely brutal. So hoping that he can stay on the field this season in that backup role. Um, how does Ryan Montgomery look? He was someone who was returning kicks last season, right? Yeah. He spent most of his time on special teams. So I don't have a lot of tape on him, but um, you know, if he's out there returning punts, he's got the speed athleticism. I think he he'll probably get some looks this year as well. So It'll be interesting to see, you know, a guy with a couple years under his belt, if he could come in and make a name for himself. Aside from that, you know, the depth chart does list a few other names, Ethan Wright, Sean Thomas, Miles Montgomery. Um, you know, is there anything to worry about here from a depth perspective? I think the depth is there and, and no knock on running backs, but you see it in the NFL as well you know, it's a lot easier for a running back to just like come out and come out of nowhere. You know, we weren't really sure what we had with Jerome Ford last year and he rushed for almost 500 yards and eight touchdowns in 10 games. So we weren't, are we sure we weren't sure what we had in Jerome Ford, a transfer from Alabama, four-star recruit. I thought, I mean, I thought we knew we had something special coming in. You gotta, you gotta think, but how many four-star guys are busts, right? I mean, if, if, he's not getting on the field at Alabama. What's the problem? You know, obviously they recruited <laughs> he's at, over him. He's at Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but, but he's on know, a, he's, he's on a, a semi NFL team, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at it and he had a lot of potential because of his previous experience and where he was recruited to, but it's not like he was a all-star at, Alabama before he transferred right so you know the sky was the limit for him and he met he met expectations absolutely no for sure I I remember being pretty excited when he transferred here thinking there was high expectations for what his you know what his his uh profile looked like and how he could project at a, at a school like UC he's lived up to it I think if he's able to stay healthy and stay in that lead back role. It seems like he's got a great opportunity to have a massive season. Like if he is getting the the uh, lion's share of the carries, he's not fumbling. It seems like we're looking at 1,200, 1,300 yards and, and over 10 touchdowns. It just seems like a guarantee. Take it to the bank. And I hope I didn't just jinx it. No, I mean, that that's where I had him pegged myself. So I said an Isaiah Peed-like year. So, right. Um, and he would probably Draft be the alert. last. Yeah, yeah, another another guy that could sneak up on the draft for the Bearcats. So we do have some question marks behind him. I think the good news from for Bearcat fans in terms of wondering what happens in the event that Ford is out for a game or two or gets knocked up. Knocked <laughs> Nick, up. Nicked up. What's the word I'm looking for? 
not knocked up. That Definitely would, uh, not knocked that up. Would, that would. Be I don't think we're gonna have that problem. I don't think we're if gonna. He gets, have if that. he gets, if he honey dicks us. Yeah, dude. I don't want him to honey dick us at all. But the running game is supplemented by the quarterback. Obviously, Des yeah. Ritter is going to be a, a guy who's going to be getting 10, 10 or so carries per game, uh, generating offense in that regard. And then also there's the gadget plays with Trey Tucker and just the short passing game that we've, we've hinted at in the past. So I feel good overall about the running game. I know this team leans on its running game heavily. So I do want to make sure, you know, outside of Jerome Ford, kind of what the answers are in that, in that event. Yeah, it looks like uh, pretty much every year uh, for the Bearcats, we've had two or three guys get a lot of touches uh, along with the quarterback. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Ethan Wright, who is a pretty highly touted prospect for the Bearcats, uh, a guy that they thought could play both sides of the ball, get some run. And I know for a fact that they were really excited to get uh, Miles Montgomery as well. In fact, they were so excited about him that they were going to take him and uh, Corey Kiner before he decided to honey dick us on his way to LSU. (laughs) Corey didn't actually honey dick us. No, no, that's not a true honey dick. No, yeah, it is. I just wanted to get another one in. Let's be honest. I know it's it's the episode of the honey dick, and and I respect it. Um, Just honey dicking left and right. (laughs) Is Miles Montgomery true freshman? Yeah. Yeah. And I think he actually made it in for spring ball. And uh, I guess I'll tie tie up the running back uh, conversation. I'm going to butcher this name, but our, our friend, Michael Kope Garotsky had, had a pretty big showing on let it fly episode two. He's going to be the next member of the uh, UC athletic department, student worker hall of fame. So I'm pretty pumped about that for him. He did have, uh, he he was the star of episode two for sure. Uh, Great personality, pretty dry and uh, self-inducted into his own wall hall of fame. So big things, big things coming for him this season. Yeah. He scored a touchdown in 2019, I believe it was. So pretty cool for a walk-on guy like him to, to make his name and score. So um, I don't, I don't look for him to, to do much besides special teams and, maybe get another crunch one of those. numbers, crunch yeah, some numbers. Get, he's going to crunch some numbers on senior night. Like we saw last season. True. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, so hopefully he'll forgive me. Like my J will one day. But, <laughs> I uh, think I was going to say, I'm looking at that. And I think you, I think you got it. Kope Gorodsky. Kope Gorodsky. Michael Kope Gorodsky. Listen, I think we, I think we're going to get more props for getting that one wrong than I will get for getting uh, Giles or Gillis or Gile wrong. So, yeah, I think we're in trouble for that one. I'm just going to say it. I think I'm going to get harassed online for getting her name wrong, but that's okay. She'll forgive us. She'll forgive. She she has a gold medal. I I don't think she's going to care if we said her name wrong. She's not going to be bothered by some, you know, like the third most popular Cincinnati Bearcats podcast in Cincinnati. Third. Are we third? Are we number two? Do it for Dale, baby. <laughs> That's right. All right. Any final thoughts on the running back position or or anything else you guys wanted to make sure we touched on in this episode? Ford's going to run himself into a second round draft pick situation. Ooh, That's spicy. That is very if, spicy. If he's having an Isaiah Pede like season, that's that's what's happening. 
I'm going to factor in what's happened, the depreciation the running back position has seen since Isaiah Pede was drafted. Fair enough. I'm going to say that Jerome Ford plays himself into a fifth round draft pick next season. Joe, I I'm hopeful getting drafted? that I hope Jerome Ford has such a great time just trucking these dudes like these guys at Tulsa that don't want that smoke. And he decides he's going to run it back one more year and be our uh, transitional player to keep us uh, great in the Evan Prater era. There you go. There you go. See, I, um, I like where your head's at, but I'm just going to throw this out there. I want guys to get dra- who are good enough to get drafted to get drafted as soon as possible so that way more players are coming to since I know and I can get drafted as a junior. You, you, you know. say that, but isn't it nice to have my Jay Sanders lining up for the Bearcats this season? It is. And sauce and uh, Dez and the list nice. goes on. It's nice, Hummer. You know, it's look it's nice if he if he runs if he runs and he crushes it and he gets that you know like this is what I was able to do here. I'm happy for it because I trust in Luke Fickle to have the depth to have the player development come in and look. You know, we got Miles Montgomery, highly, you know, highly touted running back. If if thick and trust in thick, we do. Look, Father sophomore year name. comes in here, Father P. name. <laughs> you know, then I just think I think there's some back. I think that we have some depth there on the young side. That's going to be the next generation. So yeah, I'm okay with I'm okay with him. Uh, you know, getting a nice solid two second round, low, late second round, high third round draft pick. That's what he's going to play himself into. That's probably our beer mile bet of the year. <laughs> I like it. Well, I like the optimism. I'm certainly excited by it. And I just, before I let us go here, I want to issue an formal apology again to Michael Warren for calling you Michael Turner. It's something that I do in my day-to-day life. Anytime I think about Michael Warren, um, again, I think it has to do with playing styles, physicality, and uh, how I, who Michael Warren reminded me of when I watched him play. So apologies, sir. One uh, one last little nugget. Uh, Dan Horde dropped a Bearcats video on Twitter on Saturday the 7th with some footage from higher ground. And Ritter and Prater were slinging the ball deep, which is what I said needed to happen. And I am super jazzed about it. Remind me why you're saying it needs to happen. So. What? Last season, um, Ritter did get dinged for his downfield throwing percentage. Sure. And um, I don't want to reflect too much on January 1st, 2021. But uh, if there was a little more touch on on a deep ball, that game is wrapped up. So I think if we see uh, more downfield passing for Ritter, that's going to be good for us, and it's going to be good for him seeing him walk across the stage in the Bellagio Fountains the first night of the NFL draft. No, I think it's a good thing that we're – I mean, he's, he's certainly working on it. I think if we're building our offense around it, I'm skeptical. It's not about building your offense around it. It's about hitting those plays when you have the opportunity. Right. We missed so many of can. those opportunities last year. I just don't know if so I'm saying if there's if they're hitting them in practice and they're working, hopefully out of those, you know, the what was it, ten or something stupid we missed in the Navy game, you connect on three of those, and that game's a, you know, we talk about style points and how it's bullshit that you need them. 
but that's the style points there. Some of these games, you got to connect on when you're wide open on a 25 yard pass. You got to hit the guy. He's wide open. Uh, yeah, I know. He's, he's got to throw the ball downfield. We have to do it. You have to take the shots. I'm just saying we came out early in the season last year and it felt like that's we were insistent upon. This is how we're going to play football. And when we actually shifted the offense to be, we're going to take our, our few shots downfield here and again. And I know it coincided with Alec Pierce returning, but otherwise we're going to really build this thing around the running game and short to inter- intermediate passes. That's where it felt, felt like the bread and butter was. I suspect that's still the case, but I know Des is looking to build out the, the portfolio here for his draft status. So they, they need to make sure that he's at least stretching it out and keeping the defense honest. I'm here for it. And does, um, does anybody know, have they talked about what, I don't even know if this is that important, but do we have a hundred percent vaccination rate? I have not heard that reported. They, they said in Coffee with Cunningham this week that the athletic department overall is over 90%. So take that for what it's worth. Um, there were some rumors going around on uh, Twitter that the football team was like under 50% vaccinated. I'm not buying it. I'm not um, buying at it at all. But I would say this if the athletic department woke. is over 90 then, you know, football is basically half the department. So that would per- skew it down pretty heavily. So I, I just don't see, and I know it's pretty much a choice. It's definitely a choice, but I just don't see, you know, Fickle and the coaching staff letting someone potentially jeopardize the season if they're not <laughs> vaccinated unless they have like a medical reason. So that's my stance on it, and it's just talking out of my ass. So, but hopefully uh, we don't have another flare up like we did uh, last season. And then, have you guys been following the? Uh, I think this is the inaugural UC fan tournament uh, hosted by Neil Slayton on Twitter for the for the for the football football team. You guys yeah, think? I've, I've definitely voted, been. I voted for a few. I voted yeah. for a few. Uh. So Connor Barwin has to go up against Desmond Ritter. Poor Des on on that one. Uh, like how how do you? I, I don't know mentally how I would even how I even like put up with that. Like I would just. That's just the worst one you can go up against, right? I mean, he's a two sport athlete, so you know he's probably going to have twice the fans. The uh, the most intriguing one to me was uh, Armand Benz and Trent Cole. Uh, I thought that was a good one. Uh, and then uh, I don't know how Ben Mock was so high. Like, how is he a number three? How does he get seated? Ben Mock, a three? Yeah. Some of the seating was a little questionable, like Haruki Nakamura being a two seed. Yeah. Like, Haruki was pretty awesome, but like, you know, probably not in my top 16 Bearcats of all time, certainly. Well, We'll see how it plays out. That's why they have the voting, I suppose. Thanks a lot for for Neil for putting that together. It's definitely uh, definitely something to check out. And it's been a while since Neil's been mentioned on the podcast, so it's good to hear his, hear his <laughs> name again. <laughs> uh, I feel like the one. I feel like the one with Tony Pike. They should have had another one, like a two A a2A, Tony Pike as an announcer. Um, oh yeah, that would have been good. I like Tony Pike as an announcer way more. <laughs> Uh, in other words, I'm one of the like three people who probably voted for Walter Stewart. <laughs> yeah, Big Walt, baby. 
Hummer is anti Tony Pike. All right, boys, on that note, let's wrap. We'll leave it there and come back next week with a new episode. Who are we previewing next week, Joe? Next week, we're going to talk about a position group that's not been getting a lot of respect, has some question marks, but a lot of depth, and that'll be the linebackers. Yes, let's do it. Next week, linebackers, as my voice cracks. The way the way you described that, I thought you were about to be like, offensive line i was about to pick so stay tuned for the one that everybody's patiently waiting for <laughs> we're gonna they're gonna have to wait just a little longer for that all right y'all we'll leave it there thanks joe for again for your uh taking the time to do this podcast we truly do appreciate it and people like hearing your voice so uh double benefit thanks joe thanks hummer cheers buzz cheers boys <laughs>